Welcome to the Radio Plasma Podcast, a space dedicated to the exchange of ideas, conversations, stories, music, performances, and randomness. Listen at radioplasma.com. Also, we are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. I'm your producer and host, Johan Rashivega. And today we are going to learn in motion. Today, even though we are in an enclosed environment, being this small recording studio, but try to picture ourselves outdoors, being active, being playful, and having fun while learning. That's why we have today as our guest, the team of Learn in Motion. I want to welcome Hope, Chris, and Vincent. Hi. Hello, thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. So let's start by explaining a little bit what is Learn in Motion and what is the concept of your project. So Learn in Motion is a preschool-aged sports company. Um, we're the first of our kind where we focus on teaching three, four, and five-year-olds academic content through sports and movement. So we take anything that you could and would learn in a preschool classroom and we extend it and we teach it through soccer, basketball, baseball, gymnastics, football, any form of movement. So our theory behind this whole thing is sometimes the classroom is not the best place for a child to learn. So we extend the classroom and challenge both the preschool classroom and youth sports to do better by combining both classroom content and movement. How this idea came up, what was the motivation for you to create this? I was teaching preschool um, for the past four years. I started as a sub, um, kind of came in, thought I'd play around all day, let the kids jump on me, and it would be kind of silly, and we'd have fun. And very quickly, I realized that early childhood education is what they call it for a reason, because it's more than just running and playing. And yes, that's how they learn, but it's very sophisticated, meaning there's a lot to it. There's a lot of things that you can't see on the surface that are going on. Through my travels, I ended up in South Holyoke teaching for the Valley Opportunity Council, which is a nonprofit organization based out of Holyoke, but it works in Chicopee and Holyoke and Springfield. The idea is to eliminate poverty through low-income housing, fuel assistance, early child care. So I found my way at Morgan School teaching, and uh, it was great. I mean, honestly, it was part of the preschool expansion grant, and I thought the classroom was where I wanted to be until I went to a professional development on neuromotor development, right? So the idea behind that was the brain develops with your body, right? So from birth, right, the way that babies move their head, the way that they start scanning with their eyes, the way that they develop the back strength to crawl and then to sit and then to stand. If that doesn't happen in that order, the way that it is naturally supposed to, you have a lot of kids in areas like South Holyoke who don't have the resources as everybody else. So you find that they are not developing the motor coordination and strength to allow them to succeed academically. Imagine a student who is trying their best to sit up, but they've never developed the back strength to be able to do that. Now you're also asking them to listen, right? To learn, to process what you're saying. They're already working too hard to sit up. They can't possibly fit anything more through that processing canal of their brain. So now you have quote unquote behavioral issues for kids who might not have a behavior, but also are just working too hard to be able to process the information. So with that idea in mind, we figured the body 
is the foundation for the mind to succeed. So if you really want kids to be able to learn academic content, they have to physically be ready to do that. So then came the idea of learn in motion, right? Preschool age sports, get kids moving, we get them off the screen, we get them onto the green, but we also again teach letters and numbers and shapes and colors. It's all about kindergarten readiness. So if we can get kids ready for kindergarten, right? Especially again in a place like Holyoke where you know, you have a lot of problems with reading scores, and unfortunately that's what everything is driven by. Now, just because we're driving everything by reading scores on a test doesn't mean they have to learn it by sitting in a chair. If everybody needs to learn the letter A, and you have 19 kids, 19 different ways are gonna be taught, right, to learn that same letter. So what we do is say, let's do it through soccer. Oh, and soccer's not for you? Let's do it through basketball. Oh, basketball's not for you? Maybe it is the classroom. Either way, we're providing that alternative form of education. The students at Morgan School here in South Holyoke, what could be some of the experiences that you see as successful as part of this idea? Um, so we've had many children come through who, one, have never had an opportunity, even already at four years old, to hold a ball, play with a ball. Part of it also was that when we do our assessments for preschool, there is a very small focus on gross motor. And for us, again, it's providing a form of education in a place where, you know what, four-year-olds are not meant to sit around all day. And when you have parents who maybe haven't been educated or haven't had a very good experience with school, they're not going to jump at an opportunity to put their kid in school if they haven't had a very good experience, right? And of course, as we know, that first experience tends to be the most influential. So if you have a kid who comes in and doesn't like school and doesn't have a good experience, well then in kindergarten, I highly doubt they're going to want to go to kindergarten. And then kindergarten probably won't go as planned. And then it trickles to first grade. And now all of a sudden by first grade is when you have a kid who all of a sudden is either being pushed through the system or is labeled as a behavior And it all stems from that first day they walked into school and they just didn't have a good experience. You know, you need people who care, educators who care. And again, it's providing that alternative, right? It's amazing to me that teachers make kindergartners who really are preschoolers just in a different classroom sit all day long when they just came from a classroom of playing all day long. We found that having kids moving and playing, you can teach them the same things you would sitting in a chair, but even more effective, right? Kids need to learn through exploration. And so if we can provide parents with a safe, fun, right, environment where kids can fall and they can interact with peers and go through all the same things that you would, that trial and error of, if I take this from somebody, what's the reaction gonna be? You know, sometimes being outside is a better place for a kid to have a reaction, right? I've had parents come to us and say, you know, I, we've never seen an issue in school, right? We have kids in our basketball and soccer classes who say, you know, I've never had to see you discipline my son or daughter. And, and to us, it's kind of like, well, why would we have to do that if they're moving around and running and playing? They're, you know, it's, they're a little more receptive, I think, to our direction or redirection in the environment that is not a closed-in space with walls and everybody's telling you what to do all day and again it just provides kids with a little bit of freedom and it doesn't feel so much like disciplining as it does coaching coaching you know 
which like is just life coaching, coaching them on soccer skills, coaching them on academic skills. And which they respond really well to that. An alternative form of teaching yeah. ultimately is coaching. Absolutely. Which uh, also connects with the idea of having a more organic interaction and a way to learn by, by experiencing those pieces of knowledge that are, are going to now be part of your basic information for survival. Exactly. As part of this idea of having a, a learning process, coming up with this idea is one thing, but then make it work is a totally different story. So hope as a family and as a team and as a business, how hard was it to make it work? It was definitely not easy. It's been a long process at this point. We've been almost a year now kind of running classes. It was birthed from, you know, one small class and we kind of continued to grow it and grow it into different towns and different concepts. But Chris started off since Vincent was born. He's almost four now, but I've been home with him. Um, and now we have a three-month-old. And so I've been able to spend in my little spare time that I have at home trying to work on getting Learn in Motion together. But it's hard. You need a lot of things to make a business work and a lot of things to make it run. And it's all new for us. It's not something that we were trained in. We didn't really know any of the legal aspects or the financial aspects of running a business, and that's all very difficult. We've been lucky enough to go through the SPARK program, um, which was, has been extremely helpful here in Holyoke. We loved the SPARK program and all of the people that we met through that. And the Chamber of Commerce has been really, really helpful as well in kind of edu educating us and helping us with the brass tacks of running the business um, and what that needs. Chris does an amazing job running all of the classes and he's kind of, this is his brainchild. My role in this has been a lot more of trying to figure out, okay, how, what do we need to put a website up and how are we gonna you know, reach our, our potential customers and what new projects are we gonna take on? And so it's been a lot to think about, but I think it's really paid off and we, I love watching the idea continue to evolve. So you are graduates from the Spark program, and you recently had also the opportunity to present uh, at one of the soup events, and actually you won yes. the microfunding. <laughs> How is it for you to see the reaction and the response from the community on your idea? You find as a small business owner that Every conversation you have, you find a way to fit in your business into it, um, whether that's practice pitching or just always having it on your mind. You know, I think one of the things about talking to people is you look for a certain reaction, right? What we've created here is very unique, and it's not something that is already existing. There are sports companies, there are educational entities, we have both combined into one, specifically for three to five-year-olds. There's a lot of stuff out there. There's preschool enrichment, there are educational companies, there are sports companies, but combining all of those, we haven't found something that exists specifically like that yet. Having said that, when we talk to new people about Learn in Motion, right, we look for that response, that, oh, cool, or that, oh, I've never seen anything like that before, right? Sometimes I feel like when we tell people about it and they're just like, oh, cool. It's kind of like, uh, let me keep talking about this because I don't feel like you really understand what I'm saying here about learning motion. No, but you find, I mean, that's kind of how this whole thing grew, right? Like Hope had mentioned earlier, we really, 
we were, I was running an indoor soccer class. We had enough parents who asked me if we did any outside classes. So after saying no about five times, I looked at Hope and I said, you know, maybe we should run an outside class. So we did. But when we did it, we said, you know what, let's put up a website. Let's get insurance, right? Because you can't rent a field without insurance. So we did that. And again, this is all stuff that we learned as we went, right? So again, started with one soccer class. Then we figured out that in Holyoke, there was a need for it. And in Northampton, there was a need for it. And then we're looking around in all these different places and saying like, well, first off, this program either doesn't exist or the program that does exist really is not up to par, right? It's about raising that three to five-year-old sports standard. You want kids to learn good habits at an early age, right? Three to five is the time to do it. Let them use their hands the entire time they're three-year-olds if they're playing soccer. Because by the time they're six, they're going to be good soccer players who won't need to use their hands. Watching six-year-olds do the same thing three-year-olds do is a little discouraging. And I think that's where you find kids who don't want to come back and play sports because they are six years old. They're playing for the first time. And everybody around them has played before. They're finding themselves not having a very enjoyable experience. So if we can give every kid the foundation, the skills, the vocabulary, even if it's just understanding how a practice is supposed to go, that you have to listen to the coach, right, that you're there to play a certain game. Yes, you can be silly, but it has to be on the terms of what we're trying to accomplish as a group, Mm -hmm. right? So from that, I think all our new projects and... And again, it's just sitting at home and talking to each other and saying, you know, I mean, one day it was as simple as holding up a letter while we were having the kids dribbling during like a red light, green light game, and then going home and saying like, why stop there? Yeah. What if we wrote words out there on the field, right? What if we held numbers? What if everything that we did had some sort of academic literacy-based, you know, Mm -hmm. aspect to it? Because even if it's basketball yeah they're learning and they don't even realize it like they're having a great time which is the most important thing and then they're also not only are they learning basic soccer skills gross motor skills they're getting active but they're also practicing listening skills and following directions and sharing and taking turns all of these really important social skills life skills that they do teach in the classroom but it's a great place to teach them out on the field. Um, and then all of the academic skills, you know, the, the literacy skills. And we have kids who come into our program and, and don't know necessarily their letters well. I mean, they're three, yeah. some of them are three, they don't know any of the letters, but by the end of it, they go and they know some of the letters, they know their numbers, they know their shapes and colors. Or you have kids who come in and do know letters, mm-hmm. right? But have never played sports before. So if we're dribbling, which might not be their strength, but we're holding up letters and that is their strength, they're still going to feel very confident about what we're asking them to do because there's some aspect of what we're doing and all we're doing is dribbling and holding up letters, right? But if they're good with the letters, perfect. If they're better at the dribbling, perfect. If they've never done either before, we provide the safest environment (laughs) where they can feel like, you know what, it's okay. Mm -hmm. You're here. It's a safe place. Fail. Fail, fail, fail. That's how kids learn. Fall down, right? That's how you learn about gravity, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Really. But we give them that, again, it's that safe environment where families feel like, yes, my kid can come. And they, But again, we structure the classes in a way where you don't have to be the biggest, the fastest. You never could never have played before. You know, in every game we play, we need a problem solver. We need somebody who's strong. We need somebody who's fast. And typically those are different people, but... 
each kid plays a different role, right? Some kids enjoy the letters, some kids enjoy the movement a little more than others. But the idea is to get them working together back and forth. We're not saying we need 15 people who can run and jump and shoot and do all this stuff. No, a team is five people, say basketball, a team is five people that you've orchestrated to their strengths, right? A good coach can find five people who each have different strengths but can work together, right, and get the most out of that, right? So we're not saying we need every single kid to be the best athlete in the world, no. But being part of a team is a beautiful and amazing thing. And I mean, and for a lot of kids, it provides a safe outlet, whether it's before school, after school, whether it's on Friday nights, Saturday mornings, right? I mean, I know growing up, it kept, I kept me getting good grades. It kept me showing up to school on time because I wanted to play. And it might not be for everybody, but the idea is to give every kid that foundation where if you say, I want to go play soccer, you will feel confident enough to do that. And if they don't play soccer again, you know what? Thank you for coming out. I hope you learned something while you were here. You know? Yeah, because I was thinking of that. Not necessarily means that it's just the traditional sports activity or the sport class. And this means now you're going to be dedicated to this sport and this is going to be part of your career or part of your formation. No, this is one of many options. And the experience overall is you are learning, you are acquiring skills, you are having fun, and whatever you get from this experience, you're gonna be able to use it in the future for anything else, exactly. not necessarily sports. Yep. Especially school, right? Yeah. That's the whole idea, is we teach social skills and problem-solving skills. And literacy and numeracy, we don't do that for soccer. You don't need to know the letter A when you play soccer, but you do need to know the letter A when you go to kindergarten. Yeah. So if we can do it, again, through soccer, right? The whole thing is to take what we do outside of the classroom and have kids apply it into the classroom, right? If a kid is working on managing emotions and having a hard time dealing with frustration and they can't do it in school, but they come to soccer and they miss a basket and this is our chance for them, right? To take a deep breath, right? Then they can take that skill that they have been practicing and couldn't find the right environment to feel comfortable enough to do it. What's take that? a deep breath at basketball practice. Guess what? That's the first step to that kid doing the same exact thing within the classroom. And sometimes, again, it's just the classroom is not the best place to learn. It wasn't for me. I mean, that's part of this whole thing, too. I was a good student, and I enjoyed, and I graduated from college, and but... If I could have been on the grass doing the same thing, that's where I would have rather been, so. Well, and, and our program is not, you know, sometimes people, when they think about putting their three to five-year-old in a sports class, they are thinking purely of the sports. And so they say, I want my, you know, my little kid to be a little Pele. And so they want them to practice and do drills. And that's not how we operate. You know, we run fun classes and we do teach soccer skills or basketball skills in kind of alternative ways. And they're not, the classes are not necessarily meant for people who want serious training in sports. You know, and that's what parents sometimes see. You know, we can do that, but that's not really our bread and butter. You know, so we it's, really... So it's not necessarily a soccer's mom's club. Yeah. Well, like, we, we, I've never used, we never use whistles. Right. Everything that we said, and again, it's, if your kid really wants to learn how to play soccer, we can do that. But again, as Hope is saying, I think the way we set up the cones, 
we overdo it with the cones. I have 100 colored cones that we literally use every single one, every single practice. And that's not for me, okay? It's not like I necessarily, I mean, and I do enjoy setting it up and watching it like form into what it is. But, you know, it takes me a long time to set up all those cones every single day. So, but again, if I can say to a kid, see that red box, right? That's where the red team is going to stand. You see this green box? That's where the green team is going to stand. Instead of putting out two cones that are the same color and say, you friends stand over there, there, over there. No, no, no. You see the cone? Yes, right over there. No, no, no. No, no. You stay on that side. You stay. No, 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 no. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Right? That's what, co and then, okay, blow the whistle. Right? What? Okay, do push-ups. Right? Like, do this, do that, run, run around, do a lap. It's like, no, let's play tag. Let's play freeze tag. Who says you can't play freeze tag without a soccer ball? And everything we do, we start without a ball and we introduce a ball, right? Yeah. So the way that we progress through the classes, the way that we progress through the five weeks, the way that we set up the cones, the little changes that we make, right? We agree, uh, believe that little progressions, right? So if you make a little bit, change something a little bit, it leads to big progress, right? So little alterations, big progress, right? Kids feel confident, they feel like they can take on a new challenge. If you think about like a basic sports skill or a basic skill that helps you be successful in a sport, running around while looking up and making sure you're not gonna run into somebody is something that for three to five year olds, they're not accustomed to doing that. <laughs> you know, so we play a lot of tag games and because that's a fundamental skill that you need to be successful in any kind of sport. You need to be able to run around without running into somebody and you see some collisions, don't get me wrong, because they're learning. I mean, most of the time they're not running around in a group of other kids looking where they're running and that's why just playing tag is a really essential skill. It helps them hone an essential skill to be able to play soccer or basketball or any other sport where you're running in a group. And I think it's frustrating for kids and coaches when, you know, it, it, a lot of it is on teachers and coaches. I, it's up to us to set up kids for success. And parents. And parents. And we need to be mind readers. Is that fair to say? Probably not, but good educators are basically, and good parents, right, they're just mind readers. I mean, kids won't tell you exactly how they feel if they don't have the vocabulary, but you can figure it out, right? So what we do, again, is we say we're not just going to take a kid who's never played sports before and put a soccer ball at their feet and provide them with this, what seems like an impossible task, as opposed to a very manageable challenge, right? So everything and every way that we approach something new is by saying things like, listen, this is gonna be hard, but we've already practiced this, so, you know, if we're talking about doing maybe toe taps or how do we stop a soccer ball, right? Well, when we were doing the freeze dribbling game, right, when the music stopped and we put our foot on top, Right, that's how we're gonna stop it. So now, when we do the avalanche game and the balls are rolling at you, right? How do you think we're gonna stop them? You step right on top. Yeah, you came up with that, not me. Let's go see what it's like. You know, the kids are having fun. Parents are having fun. There's nothing better than hearing kids laughing and look over at, over at the side and watching each parent smile, phones out. Right? I mean, they're having a good time, and that's the whole point. You know. It's not only the first experience for kids, and I think that's what people forget, is the parents are having their first sports experience too. And as a parent, that's a really special thing. And it's something that can go wrong really quickly. And I think 
even parents, right? It's not the kids who are paying for the classes or it's not the kids who are registering online. If parents haven't had a good experience, they're not going to come back. Mm-hmm. We find that a lot of our families are very willing to come back and spread the word. And that helps us know that what we're doing, one, works, but two, you know, I think we're helping, helping people. And that's the most important thing. I'm glad that you mentioned uh, hope about the parents as well as part of it, because we always say that kids need to learn things. It is important for them to be exposed to different opportunities and options and explore. But it is commonly put on the side the role that parents need to be involved with everything that happens with their children. Absolutely. I think a lot of times people think of of learning, especially with their children, as like not necessarily the parent's role. You know, oh, that's what the teacher is for. That's what school's for. But parents have a huge role, you know, in their child's learning. And I think that it's our responsibility to figure out how we can all help set our kids up for success. Not just your own children, but all of the children up for success. Yeah, and I think that's part of what we do in one connecting with, we send emails to the parents before classes, after a class, just to explain the games that we played. Because again, a tag game might look very basic and simple, but it's when anything when you're talking about three, four, and five-year-olds, it's very sophisticated. And I keep using that word, but and it sounds kind of silly, I know, because we're talking about preschool, but all it means is that there's more to it than meets the eye, right? So yes, we're playing tag, but we're also working on problem solving, right? Because you got to figure out how to stay away from the tagger. And how does that translate to soccer? Staying in space. The parents, as Hope said, are the first teachers, right? That's ultimately what it boils down to. The parents are the first teachers. And if we're going to be their next teacher, right, then we have to take everything that they've taught and know about their kid and learn about it, right? Because in order to do our job, we need to know what you've done, right? What is successful for you? What happens in this situation? How do you handle this situation? If you see something out here, right? Because we have a lot of parents, again, parent involvement, like you mentioned, Johan. We have parents who come out and want to be a part of it. Can I please come on the field, right? Can I please come on the field? You know, is it okay if I'm out here? And we always encourage families to come out. Having said that, we believe in holding kids to high standards. So if a kid can come and do it on their own, that's ultimately what we'd like. We'd like 10 kids between the ages of three to five with parents on the side. Not that they're not welcome in, but we want kids to be independent. And I think anything to make a parent or a teacher or a coach's life easier, right? Anything a kid can do to make our life easier, let's teach them how to do it. You teach them how to want to try new things, to take on new challenges, right? But again, when we scrimmage at the end of each practice, the parents come and stand next to the field and they're cheering and you'll find, I mean, parents want to be involved, you know, and and that's kind of our thing too is, look, we're parents, right? So we can really relate to that whole, you know, we approach this not as business owners, but as parents who happen to be running a business that fits a lot of, who turn out to be friends, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, we've met some great, great families we've hung out with and we've kind of built all the relationships we have either through business or school or being out in the community but yeah I mean it's it's about family building you know we want those parents to to feel like they can call us and say hey we're gonna be a little late (laughs) and and it might just be that right but it's about that open stream of communication right because then eventually and 
just like school, right? Practice is over and we are standing there for 15 minutes talking to each parent saying like, wow, did you see when they did this? We've been working on that for weeks and they finally did it. The next time you see them do that, really give a big cheer because we, that's what we want to see. You know, and the whole point of this three to five year old thing is we're building something that ultimately will reach everyone. But if we can start when they're three, as they get older, right, we've already got a foundation. Parents have already got a foundation of what to expect. So if they go somewhere else and don't have the same experience, they're going to come back and say, hey, you know, what are these guys doing that was different? And so long-term goal, we want to change the way that everybody approaches three- to five-year-old sports, right? Again, it's the first experience. It tends to be the most important and the most influential. If we can take that standard and raise it, so that everybody treats the three to five year old experience the way that we do. I think it benefits kids, parents, communities in the long run. And again, lasting change starts from the ground up. I'm thinking about learning motion as a family business. You have possibly one of the most demanding officers in the company, which is Vincent. <laughs> yes. It's true. It's true. Vincent is the best assistant coach that we could have. He's there through all of our classes. He really does a great job. And it's Vincent is yet to go to preschool and will be going to preschool soon. So a lot of almost entirely his, his socialization has been through our classes and has been working through his challenges at our classes. He yeah. does a great job. He, I know so I couldn't do it without him. Come here, coach. See, this is, every time we drive to practice, I turn around and I say, Vincent, yeah. what should our game plan be today? And Vincent helps me come up with the games we're going to play. Like, Vincent has invented new games before. He's kind of been the only one who's seen this whole thing grow as he's grown. Animal games, kind of like animal tag games or something. That's right. Vincent is a big fan of tag games. And he is also a big reason why this whole thing started because Vincent is what they call a shaker and a mover, a mover and a shaker. Um, but yeah, v Vincent is a great role model. He's a great friend, I think. Sometimes, honestly, as a business owner and a parent and a family man, and hope I can speak the same, it's, it's hard, I think, sometimes to balance all those different things, especially now that they're all one. Wait. Right, so I think sometimes, Vincent, when you do five soccer classes in a week, you know, by the fifth class, it can get a little <laughs> boring, but he is very, he always just sits on the side if he needs to, and we bring his toys, and it wouldn't be anything without him, quite frankly. It's so. true, and honestly, it's, it's very relatable, because at least currently, and since this business has been born, we really understand what our, what our parents are going through, because we're going through it as well. You know, so we... Parents see us and they look at us and when, you know, we, we do have to talk to Vincent in a certain way because if he's doing something that we don't like, you know, and they get to see us model for them, um, you know, what we've learned. And Chris, a lot of what we have learned and what we do as, as parents is based off of the way that Chris speaks to his students in the classroom. And I think that that's one of the best things that we do for parents is model you know, parents are always saying to me, he has so much patience talking about Chris when he's running classes. Because it takes a special kind of person to run a class for a three to, for 
10 three to five year olds. I mean, not everybody is chomping at the bit to work with three to five year olds. Mm -hmm. It's not easy, you know, and it does require a lot of patience and a positive attitude. But it's really, really helpful for parents, I think, to see the way that Chris speaks to them. And I think it gives them hope that they can kind of, okay, I can do that. I could, I could, you know, take a deep breath. And if he can do it with 15 of them, I think I can do it with mine. And we treat each and every one of these kids as if they were our own. Yeah. Right? Vincent is in every class. So it's not like they're seeing us treat him differently than anybody. I mean, we treat each and, one, each and every one of these kids as we would our own. Mm -hmm. And I think when parents can see that, they genuinely feel, right, how much that we care about what we're doing, one. And like Hope said, I mean, it's, you're, it's hard to find people who are willing to jump at the opportunity to work with three to five-year-olds most of them are in preschool and unfortunately preschool teachers just don't get paid enough and for that reason you have a high turnover rate and then you have you know inconsistency for kids who need consistent figures I had to work three jobs at one point just for us to live so that Hope could stay at home and be our primary educator because nothing's more important than a stay-at-home mom or dad or whoever it is but somebody to be with ch your child all day from birth as they get old, right? I mean, that's where it all starts, in home. It doesn't have to be a mom. I've always joked with Hope about being waiting to be that stay-at-home dad, right? That's what I want. I want to be a stay-at-home dad, just like a stay-at-home mom, you know? Because those roles, they don't have to be so set in stone. You know, Hope is a mother. She's a business owner. She's an independent woman. She studied abroad. She's got two, <laughs> two degrees. She was a magna cum laude. You know, she's more qualified than I am. But, you know, our roles fell into what they were, but she, you know, she's always been in this as much as I am. You know, so I'm as much a stay-at-home dad as she is a stay-at-home mom. Being playful, but learning in the process, is a beautiful opportunity you're offering to many families, to many children and parents to experience. So how can people get in contact with you and how can they learn about Learning Motion? Uh, we have a website, www.learninmotionma.com. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook at Learn in Motion MA and on Instagram at learn underscore in underscore motion. And also we're available via email. We do a number of community events, um, community outreach events. We've worked with the CFCE. We've worked with the Heli Department. We have a free library event that we do on the second Wednesday at the Holyoke Public Library of every month. We have a Sunday fun night, a family fun night at Rowan Park from 5.30 to 7. And these low cost and free events are really a chance for us to spread what we're doing. The business side of what we're trying to do is just honestly a bonus. The fact that we can live together and, and work on this together, the idea is to spread what we're doing. If somebody somewhere else wants to do exactly what we're doing, then I we applaud them because ultimately this is what we'd like for the standard for three to five year old sports to be. Not just sports, not just classroom, combine them both, add movement, add soccer, add sports. So that's kind of what we're looking for and I think those free events that we have in the community. So yes, look out on Facebook, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, check out our website, we update it every week. If you'd like to join our mailing list, just comment your email address on any one of our photos and we'll add you to our mailing list. We send out um, our monthly newsletter. 
So this is Learn in Motion, a beautiful family business and project that is engaging learning through sports and interaction through a family connection. This is a beautiful and inspiring idea, and I'm so glad to see how it is getting the support and the interest from the community. And I want to commend your work and, and congratulate both of you for this beautiful family and this beautiful business you have. Thank you, thank you so and much. thank you for having us. We really appreciate it. We appreciate your work too in the community. Absolutely. And connecting us, thank you. So these are Hope, Chris, Vincent, and Gaia. And this is the Learn in Motion team. And I want to thank both of you for being here with us on this session of the Radio Plasma podcast that was produced as usually in our Plasma Media Lab here at the Gandhara Youth Development Center in Holyoke, Mass. And your producer and host, Johan Rashivega, thank you for listening. <laughs>